This episode of Ghost Stories is brought to you by Satrix, the leading provider of index tracking solutions in South Africa and a proud partner of Ghostmail. With no minimums and easy, low-cost access to local and global products via the Satrix Now online investment platform, everyone can own the market. Visit satrix.co.za for more information. Welcome to the second Ghost Stories podcast of 2024 with the team from Satrix. You've heard from Duma in the first episode. It actually went live quite soon before we were recording this year, so uh, this will come out a couple of weeks later, I would think. But some really cool insights coming through from Duma to kick off the year. And Sia, you brought us home last year, actually. We did a great show on how to manage the festive budget and stretch it and all those things. I mean, obviously, the first thing I need to say, other than just welcoming you to a new year and how happy I am to have you on the podcast, is how did your festive savings go? <laughs> did you manage to uh, do what you hoped to do? No, planning was there. I think the execution was also better, but I, I, I did I did go through it, which is great. It's so it's always good to talk about these things at the same time you're actually implementing them um, yeah. in the background. But keeps you focused. Yeah, <laughs> keeps you focused. Yeah, exactly. But thanks for having me. Suppose it's 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 February. Uh, January has passed, so compliments of the new season song has died away, um, and and the year end fatigue has started to creep in. It's been a crazy start to the year for us, but I'm glad to be here. And, and hello to the listeners as well. Yeah, it's, it's really good to have you. I think it's going to be a good show, Sia. And we're going to talk about new products. So I think we had the last couple of Satrix shows, we've been doing some really nice sort of practical advice. Well, hashtag not advice. You know what I mean, though, about personal finance and everything else. You know, just really good stuff that people can apply in their own lives. Today, we're talking about two brand new ETFs that Satrix is launching, uh, which is really cool. So it's clearly a busy start to the year for you guys from a product perspective. And I think before we get into the details of these specific ETFs, uh, one of which has quite a complicated name and the other one's not too bad. I'm curious from a product launch perspective, what goes into that process to get a new ETF off the ground? Because I'm guessing there's one of two things, right? Either investors are begging for something, you know, like I've been begging for a JSC retail ETF for the past year, which needs an index first. Or you have a scenario where you guys design the product and then look for a market for it. So how does it actually work in practice? Yeah, so, I mean, ETFs are are great for for investors as they are easily accessible. They have low costs associated with them. And they provide a quick access to, like, different asset types and different market exposures. So they really continue being on demand. And we are also always looking for innovative ways to actually bring about different exposures for our clients to keep up with uh, investor demand and also selling of why certain ETF um, exposures actually make sense for, for our clients. So in, in a way, if, if that's the case, then we will try and create the, 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 the demand. So essentially, we do play in both, both halves where we see there is demand in a certain space. So clients are begging for an exposure to a certain market or a certain asset type. Uh, we look to close that gap. So for an example, the Satrix China ETF is a, is a good example here, uh, as it was one of the most successful IPO in the history of, of ETF launches in South Africa. So there was a, a huge demand to close that China equity exposure um, gap, especially in the, in the index tracking uh, field. So we, we decided to launch the ETF and, and close that gap. The other part is that we we have an an overriding investment philosophy, which guides us on what we should be putting out to the market. So Satrix says that in, in terms of what type of products that we want to put out for our clients. So this means that 
we would need to launch a product that goes with our mission of, of for example, having ordinary citizens to own the market, whether it would be from launching a locally based ETF or a global exposure ETF, uh, vanilla or non-vanilla um, ETF, or even an active ETF. So, so that's why I'm saying we, we play in both halves and, and we see where we can actually try and push that demand or create that demand for our clients. Yeah, fascinating. I can imagine a lot of those meetings make for some quite interesting brainstorming around how to plug the gaps, literally. Very, very cool concepts coming through there. So I think let's move on to the first ETF that is launching now. It's got a lot of letters in it, but I think you pointed out to me before the show that there is a, a slightly uh, sexier way to say it, but I'll let you do that. I'll just do the simple way, which is the Satrix MSCI ACWI ETF, which is very useful in primary schools for teaching kids how to write letters. Just kidding. It stands for the MSCI All Country World Index. First off, before we get into the detail, what was the nice way to say it, Sia? I'll let you do it. So, so shorten that all country world index and uh, and the ACWI to ACQUI. So it's MSCI ACQUI. <laughs> there we go. The good old the good old MSCI ACQUI. That's got to be the one. So there are two thousand nine hundred companies in this fund, and this is quite different, I think, to the MSCI World Index. And I'm keen to understand how. And does it manage to get away from having the tech giants as the major shareholdings, or is it all about that sort of long tail? of exposure. So this first quarter of 2024, we'll be launching uh, the Satrix MSCI Aqui ETF, which will be a feeder ETF. So it, it will not hold those 2,900 companies directly. So it will be tracking the performance of that index through uh, using the iShares MSCI Aqui tracker. So this is an ETF that will, will offer global exposure and will be priced in rands, similar to uh, our global global ETFs like the MSCI World or Emerging Markets. Now, this ETF tracks one of the most diversified global indices available, giving exposure to investors to more than, yeah, as I said, 2,900 companies across developed and also emerging markets, all, all within a single fund. Uh, I think that's the, the most important part here is that there's a combination of, of developed and also emerging markets. And you can get that by just trading or doing one trade of just buying into this ETF. You're quite right in highlighting that the, the Satrix MCI World ETF when we're talking about this one. So, but but there, there, there are some differences, major ones. So the, the MCI World Tracker that we already have only targets developed markets with around 1,500 stocks in them. Um, however, this one, the, the one that we launching, the Cetrix MCI Aqui ETF, will track an index that holds, as we mentioned, 2009 stocks. Those span across 23 DMs and also around 24 emerging markets as well. So there's an added layer of, of including those EMs, which make up around 11% of the index and the rest being the, the, the DMs. So from a top holdings point of view and sector exposure, the two don't differ much. In fact, on the Infotech as pay your question, they, they both hold around 23%. But when you look at country exposure and the tail as well, there are big differences as the MSCI Aqui provides exposure to potentially faster growing economies like China and India, which don't form part of the of the world index. So yeah, so the Satrix MSCI Aqui ETF will track on an index that is a, a traditionally market cap index widely used as a, as, as a benchmark for global equity funds. It's going to be providing a, a core building block for use within a, an investor's overall portfolio. So when you compare it to the MSCI world again, 
which is typically around 70% U.S. exposure. The, the Alcuin shaves that down to about 62% or so and reallocates that to, to emerging markets. So, so then it's, it's top 10 country exposures. You start to see countries like China, Taiwan, South Korea, and, and, and India. Super interesting. And of course, uh, when Sia talks about the DMs there, he's not talking about, you know, the message he sends someone cute on social media. He's talking about developed markets. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's what it, I like the word building blocks because it, it kind of talks to how ETFs get used. You know, it's like building a little house from Lego and each of these little ETFs are the little bricks and it's the sort of mix in which you use them. So as you say, this is a little bit more of a tilt towards emerging markets, a little bit away from you know, the US market, which has had one hell of a run. But if we look at what's going on at the moment with US data and treasury yield is starting to go up again, could be a bit of a correction coming there. But I mean, who knows? Very hard to predict the short term stuff here. And ETFs, especially an ETF like this, is more for longer term. And it's because you want a little bit more of a tilt towards emerging markets, which I guess indirectly means a little bit more of a tilt towards stuff like commodities, growth in China. Those are the sort of factors that will typically drive this product versus a more US heavy play. Yeah, correct. And and, and I mean, it speaks to, in, in terms of the, the sort of investor that probably would consider this this type of ETF. So the ETF is for investors who are looking to have an efficient way to gain exposure to a combination of the developed markets and the emerging markets with just one trade. I mean, this will also enable them to add this in as a building block to their overall investment strategy, as we just mentioned. And because of how it's constructed because the, the companies that it holds being a global exposure ETF and having an EM or emerging market exposure to it, the ETF caters for long-term investors and its global diversification also reduces the the risk of associated with investing in, in single markets. Investors who don't shy away from a, a short-term um, volatility because the fact is we it, it, it does have exposure to more volatile markets because it's got that emerging market exposure. So if investors are, are not, they don't shy away from short-term volatility uh, while they actually want to invest for the long-term, certainly this this ETF will be attractive to them. So see, you've basically answered what I was going to ask you, which is, you know, what kind of investors should be considering this as part of a portfolio? And it's really good to understand how those building blocks apply, which is nice. I think let's move on to a new product that has a slightly easier name. Uh, less useful if you want to teach kids about letters. And that is the Satrix JSC Global Equity ETF. Now, JSC and Global Equity sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. And that's what we'll need to dig into. But what people don't always understand is that actually our local market gives you quite a lot of offshore exposure already, particularly among the bigger companies. And it does it in two ways. So the first is that, you know, some of them are actually businesses that have international listings as well. And I mean, we'll talk about that. And a lot of these companies have looked through into other jurisdictions and they're making their money somewhere else. I mean, I joked in Ghostmail this week about, you know, Vodacom's pyramid scheme, which I think they took well. It's basically a reference to their growth in Egypt. And, uh, you know, they've done that big transaction in Egypt. That's where all their growth is coming from now, or the bulk of it. That's probably the most exciting part of the business. Egypt is very far away from South Africa, but Vodacom is listed in, in, in South Africa. So there is that look through on the JSC, but I think this takes it a step further this ETF is not trying to say, you know, we upweight the companies that have look-through exposure. This is more based on where the primary listings are, right? This is quite a technical. This is quite a technical thing about how the weightings are calculated. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let me give you a, a long answer goes for this because I, I think this this product is quite unique, and I think it's very important for the listeners to actually 
just understand why we think it, it makes sense to to bring it up to to market. Sort of going back to your first question about demand and also just closing up a gap that we think should be closed. So bear with me on the details, but it's an incredible opportunity for for local investors, especially investors whose preference is to use indices when when gaining exposure to certain themes of the market instead of just trading single stocks. So on on the first part of what we were just talking about in terms of of indices, so I think it's quite important for index providers and investment houses like like Satrix, for instance, to provide investors with easy and low-cost exposures to, to our local markets through index tracking products like ETFs. Things like uh, Regulation 28 requires investors to have an exposure to equities, um, whether it be local or, or, or offshore. So there's there's a there's a huge pool of of, of JSE listed companies that investors can choose from, and indices provide a quick and, and an efficient way to get exposure. So sticking to just local locally created indices, the let's just talk about the concept or what's going to happen now in March, which will make this product quite uh, to to make sense. So. The JSC has, has, has had two streams of indices running in parallel, which is the all-share index series and also the shareholder-weighted index series. So the all-share stream had historically been overweight dual-listed um, companies, um, the, the ones that you just spoke of, and um, some of them, because of their grandfathered status, which is also which which also included their non-South African shareholding. Uh, so if a company is dual listed, so that would form part of their free float calculation when creating the weights for the old share. But in the in the shareholder weighting index, which in short for SWIX, however, this this was just using straight holdings, so just South African shareholding data. Companies on this index series had a huge downweight in, in the SWIX series, which the companies which are inward listed. So stocks like Glencore, Richmond, NH, BHP are large corporations which have secondary listing on the JSE. Yet, if you if you look at your all share or your six index right now, these are quite small for their economic footprint. If you compare that to their economic footprint, and because of of corporate actions and 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 more of these inward listed companies have now moved from being deemed grandfathered companies to being treated as, as any other inward listed company. I mean, you saw a lot of corporate actions coming from them. I mean, I think in 2022, there was the BHP group corporate action. I think last year as well, Richmond uh, had a change in terms of how they're listing their, their, their shares. So now by excluding their foreign shareholdings when creating an index, that really, really downweights them in our local indices. And then the last part of that is is the index harmonization that now it's going to happen now in March, which will be making the all share and the SWIX exactly the same. So, so, so now where does the, the the index that this fund that we're launching now comes in? So, the 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 new Satrix JSE Global Equity um, ETF that we're launching, which tracks the the FTSE JSE Global Investor um, Index, does the complete opposite of what the all share and the SWIX weighting is doing. This, this uses uh, all non-South African shareholdings as part of its free float calculation. This then means that the index will upweight stocks like the ones that I mentioned, Richmond, British American Tobacco, BHP, Glencore, and, and A&H, and they will be kept at, at 10%. So so the ETF that tracks this, this all-new FTSE JSE Global Investor Index that we'll be launching now, that 
offers an, an alternative to investors who want to continue investing locally in the JSC-listed companies, but incorporated higher exposure towards stocks deemed um, red hair, rand, uh, rand hedge stocks. So, I mean, the ETF targets 50 of the largest uh, JSC-listed companies using their global free float metrics to, to create the indices. And this in turn offers higher exposure to, to these dual listed companies. So yeah, just to close that off, maybe just mentioning on what we will be offering on this. So the ETF will be rebalanced on a quarterly basis. It will be in line with the other JSC indices, which rebalance every quarter. It will also be distributing its income every quarter as well. And we will be launching it at a total expense ratio, TDR, of about 15 basis points or 0.15%. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And I guess it shows as well, like how an ETF just gets you to buy a theme in one place. So if you wanted to, and you did the hard work, you could go through the JC, comb through it and find the best ways to get offshore exposure through single stock exposure. So I'll give you an example, something that won't be upweighted in this ETF, but is practically nothing in South Africa almost relative to the size of the business. It's something like Bidcorp, the food services business. South Africa is a small part of what they do, but their primary listing is here. Their only listing is here. So they don't get an upweight in this ETF because the rules of an ETF need to track an index and, and rules that are easy to measure, stuff like you know where the shelters are and, and how that gets weighted. So it really is interesting. I think it does a good job of actually just upweighting some of those big international players um, and we're going to see more and more of this. You know, we have seen examples of South African companies moving their primary listing offshore and then having the listing here as well. But they're trying to attract international capital as best they can. Uh, you know, a lot of international investors won't necessarily invest in a JC listed company. Unfortunately, there are a lot of rules that go along with this. And that stops international or, or it stops large companies from being able to attract any international investor. So they do things like have an offshore primary listing and actually attract you know, a whole different suite of institutional investors. So it's nice to see that there will still be a way, I suppose, to upweight these companies. It's quite a clever product that I think Satrix is is listing here. So that's that's good. And another a good example of how you can get that global exposure right here on the JSE. I think, Sia, the last point I, I wanted to touch on, you kind of mentioned, is that total expense ratio. So obviously when investing in ETFs, the whole promise is that it's a low-cost way to get broad exposure. I mean, that is the the whole reason for existence for an ETF. It seems to be the case that funds that track a local index seem to have a lower TER generally than international feeder type funds. So yeah, just curious to understand the reasons why. I mean, we can all guess what the logical reasons are. I can understand that there are more costs in trying to track international, but if you could just give a little bit of a, an explanation and some insight into why that's the case. And I think that'll round off a nice, a nice podcast learning about Satrix's new products. Yeah, so looking at the numbers in terms of all the ETFs that are listed on the JSE, perhaps let's just talk about that first in terms of the TERs. It's always interesting to look at the cost difference because one thing that we have in South Africa as well is that there's a repetition. So you have three or four providers giving you the same index, um, for instance, but in terms of costs, they will be different. So, but in, in general, we do have a, a nice skew towards low-cost ETFs when you look at TRs on the locally listed ETFs or at the JSE, particularly the indices that track local indices or JSE, FTSE JSE created indices, for instance. So just looking at all the ETFs that track indices, whether it will be local or offshore, We've got a range of about 10 bips or 0.10% TER to, let's say, 
close to, to 1% TER. So if you're looking at that range, two-thirds, I'm, I'm talking about the entire ETF range that we have on the JSE. So two-thirds of that is ETFs sitting around 24 to 50 bips TER, which is about, and, 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 and about 10% of that range is sitting in below 24 bips TER. So there's a, there's a large skewness towards cheap ETFs when you're looking at the, the ETFs listed on the JSE. The usual ceiling is around 80, 90 bips or so when you're looking at ETFs, especially if you are looking at global indices. So there are a few ETFs which go above 80 bips, and, and unfortunately they come from from one provider, which which I will not uh, I will not name. But ETFs that, that that track local indices average around 36 bips, around that 36, 35. If you're just looking at local, and the range there is between 0.10 and around maximum 75 or so. But a majority of that actually sits around 20 to to 50 bips. So it's quite a, a low range, a low scale in terms of the TER range that we have. But we've, we've got a mix, when you're looking at local indices, I mean, we've got a mix of vanilla and non-vanilla strategies. So definitely the TR will be different. And I'm not differentiating as well between whether it's it's a bond or an equity index. But I think you and, and everyone listening gets the idea of what, what sort of TRs we have in terms of local indices. And ETFs that track local indices are generally vanilla, though, with some factor and smart beta ones. Spoke about factor smart beta once. Um, I think that's one of your your your, your podcasts, and we also have sector based ones and and a few thematic ones. So this would be why they they have a, a lower TR. And when you go offshore, when looking at ETFs listed on the JSE, giving you exposure to foreign um, exposure. What's interesting in terms of assets under management, there's almost fifty five percent assets which are sitting in foreign ETFs. And, and then the rest, four to five, is the domestic ones. So South Africans actually, South African investors do tend to buy more offshore-based products than, than local when looking at ETFs. But going back to just the, the TR part, on average, you have a TR of about 50 basis points when you're looking at offshore ETFs. Remember on the local, we had about 35, 36. So they are more expensive, as you mentioned. So the answer to your question is yes, offshore indices have a higher TR. And some of these ETFs are feeders. So the manager has a TR coming through from the underlying feeder fund already. So the fund might inherit that higher TR while using ETFs, well, when launching the ETF or acquiring it from another provider. So that higher TR will be there. Some of the, the, the offshore ETFs we have in the JSC have also also form part of, of the of thematic ETFs, which can sometimes track higher TERs. So it's much higher to actually track these funds. While also there are some ETFs that play in emerging markets, which require higher costs of, of managing those funds. So there is that range, but yeah, that's sort of like the, the view in terms of TER that I have, or I can provide for you in terms of how we, we have on, on our listed JSE. ETFs. Very interesting. Thank you, Sia. I think we get such a good understanding of ETFs from these podcasts, which of course is the goal. And also just to share with people, you know, how to invest more, how to save more to build out that investing plan. We've had a few shows like that. You know, it was really nice to do one that was very product focused. I think getting people to understand more about these ETFs 
as with everything on ETFs, the fact sheet is your friend. Uh, look out for announcements around these products. Do you have a listing date yet for them? See, I don't think they're live yet, are they? No, uh, but they're launching in this first quarter. We don't have an actual date yet, but will, that will come to market very soon. Okay, so investors can just keep an eye out for more information on this and go and check out the other ETFs. Go read the fact sheets. Go look at all of the different exposures and everything else. It really is interesting. And Sia, thank you so much for your time. I hope your year's gotten off to a good start. No doubt we'll do another podcast again soon. And uh, yeah, look after yourself and keep well. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Gus. Thanks for having me. Cheers.